Welcome to Carson Chatter, a podcast focused on Carson City, the people who shape it, and the real estate that defines it. I'm Zena Lloyd, Carson City Library Director, and I am here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Garrett Lapierre, local real estate agent with Century 21 Jim Wilson Realty. We have another great guest this week for you, along with our weekly segments, Community Connections, and Lapierre's Corner. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Welcome to this week's episode of the Carson Chatter Podcast. I'm Garrett Lapierre, real estate agent with Century 21 Jim Wilson Realty. Um, Sina Lloyd could not join us um, for this episode, but she will be back on our next one. Sina's been a busy gal here lately, and uh, the holidays haven't helped either. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you um, in the Lapeer's Corner segment today um, in perfect timing I, with this being Thanksgiving week and you know, with the uh, Christmas season, New Year's right around the corner. One of the biggest questions I get you know, in my day-to-day business talking with people who are maybe interested in selling a piece of property or selling their home is, well, I don't want to do it during the holiday time. Um, and there's this big conception and misconception that once holidays hit, um, you know, Thanksgiving time, Christmas time, that everything completely slows down and nothing gets sold. Um, just for example, just this week alone, um, today is Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, um, and Monday and Tuesday, um, I've had four showings on two different listings just this week. Um, and, and, and that's a trend that I see not only this year, but um, um, every year. Uh, November is actually one of the one of the better sales months in Carson City. Um, I've, I went and ran the numbers a little earlier this year for a whole decade back, and November was in the in the top five sales months of the whole year. Um, and um, that tells me that lots of people are being active in October, um, and it also tells me that that stuff is still moving and being shown in November as well. Um, that being said, I won't get calls today for people to show my listings tomorrow um, and probably not for Friday either, maybe even over the weekend. So it's not a case, and, and this is, I think, is some of the fear of people putting their properties and houses on the market during the holiday time is someone's going to want to see the house on Thanksgiving Day or on Christmas morning, um, and, and obviously that's not, 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 not going to happen, not going to be the case. Um, and remember, when you're, when you're selling your home, you have total control over when people see it. So uh, you know, if you're going to be out of town for a week, you don't want people to see the house while you're going to be out of town. And even if that's in the middle of June, um, you know, we can have, you can make it so there's no showings while you're gone. Um, or if you have, you know, a set, set hours during the day that you want people to see it, that's fine too. But I want people to understand, I want you people to understand that there is no big dip, there is no big um, drop off in the, in the number of sales that happen during the holiday times. Um, and also the demand from the buyers doesn't just go away during these times either. Um, sometimes I see buyers that kind of wait till this time of the year because they think that uh, um, they can get a little better deal during this time. Um, you do see a little less inventory because people take their house off the market for the holiday times. Um, the one thing that, that I like to tell people is someone who's trying to sell their house through the holiday times, you know they're serious. You know, um, they're not just maybe thinking about it, you know, um, only if someone gives me full price. They tend to be much more serious people um, because, you know, they're, they're keeping it on through the Thanksgiving, through the Christmas holiday. So hopefully that answers that question, makes a little more sense. Um, we're going to be back in just a second with this week's interview. Uh, we have John Barrett, who is the newly elected supervisor 
here in Carson City for Ward 4, and we have a great discussion with him. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Carson Chatter Podcast. I'm here with John Barrett, the newly elected supervisor for Ward 4 here in Carson City. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thank you, Garrett. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to Carson City, and I'm, I'm going to follow that up with what made you run for office. That's a brave thing to do. Well, first of all, I'm uh, a native of Peoria, Illinois, uh, lived all over the nation. First came to Carson City as a visitor. I was uh, visiting some friends in Reno, and that was in 1970. I thought, what a great little state capital town that is, you know? I came down and uh, saw, I think it was about 15,000 then, and they I didn't know it at the time, but they just brought in Ormsby County and it's part of the city, so have a consolidated city government, which I grew to love. At one point in my life, I was in Indianapolis, Indiana with United Press International as a reporter, and that's a consolidated community as well. So, so I got used to that. And I also like the nonpartisanship. I spent time in Lincoln, Nebraska. In fact, I uh, spent most of my adult life in Lincoln, Nebraska, and they have a nonpartisan legislature. Single house, nonpartisan, really an odd beast. That is a very yeah. odd beast. And so it was fun to be there and see how that operated without caucuses going behind closed doors, etc. But I was a reporter uh, much of my life and a columnist. I also worked in broadcasting, both radio and TV, but mostly in print. And I came here uh, a decade ago almost. Um, by virtue of looking all over the West, my wife and I were looking uh, for years because uh, she had family that kept us in Lincoln for a little longer than we had intended. Um, and it was a good town, another state capital. Right. Uh, but um, we uh, hit upon Carson City because it's just a jewel. People don't realize it's such a hidden gem right near Tahoe. And so we came out, took a look at it, and said, yeah, because when we broached the subject, uh, to each other. I said, well, I was there in 1970, a great little town, blah, blah, blah. Northern Nevada's a neat place, but we better go take a look. It's about three times larger, <laughs> in fact, more than three times larger. So we did, and knew in a day we were coming. Wonderful, wonderful. I, well, you're certainly not going to get an argument from me about this being a jewel of a place. And, and we talked a little bit about that with Joel Dunn, of, of how important it is for tourism. When people come into town to come into events, maybe they've been here, maybe it's their second, third, fourth time coming here, it's an opportunity to actually bring new residents to Carson City, not mm -hmm. just tourists, but it brings new residents because it opens them up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a lot of people. I, I have a dog now, about a year we've had it, and go to the dog parks and I meet people who came here after me and say, you know, well, I've been thinking of years of coming here. I've been to, you know, things or I had relatives here, whatever. Yeah, you get exposed to this place a couple of times and you realize it's right in the middle of a lot of things. Exactly. Yep. Good central location. So what made you decide to jump off the ledge and, and run for elected office? Well, actually, um, most of my life I've been in the reporting of government. I did do a stint for 10 years back in Lincoln as a um, business editor. but uh, And so that was a great combination because business and government have to interact. Sometimes they rub each other the wrong way and sometimes they cooperate and get things done. But I, I covered four legislatures over my lifetime and I covered city government in Lincoln as well. And um, But I, while I was in Nebraska, I also 
got out of the media for a while and was in state government and got more and more interested by virtue of covering government, watching business, and seeing how everything works together or doesn't. And so um, I came out here and first I went to work at, at Reno, in Reno for a television station and then uh, the recession hit and I moved on from that and uh, wrote for the Reno News and Review but didn't like the commute so I became a uh, financial advisor here for a short time. Okay. But when I got an opportunity to go to the Nevada Appeal, I jumped at it because I, I really liked what I did. And I covered city government here, or consolidated city government, and business. Those were my two beats. And I learned how the system works here, and I thought, this is great because it's nonpartisan. I like nonpartisan. And it's um, city manager, former government. I grew up in my hometown of Peoria. And so I thought, this is practically perfect. <laughs> All it needs is me. I'm being facetious there. But uh, so I decided to jump in because the city is going places and it needs to continue going places. Good, good. Yeah. So we, we, when you talk about going places and, 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 and the future of kind of what you see the vision for the city to be, talk a little bit about that. What, what do you think is the most important thing for the city to do over the next two, three years? Right now? Right now. Roads. Roads. Well, we know the gas tax didn't get passed right. this last this last election on November eighth. So we talked a little bit with with uh, um, uh, I believe it was Dave Dolly. It might have been Mike Saloga. If I apologize, uh, that that money is going to come from somewhere. It's got to come from somewhere, and uh, people don't like to hear that if it comes from them. Uh, I think it's unfortunate. I think it's great that we got to vote on it. I think it's unfortunate for us in the long haul that it didn't pass, and the reason is. If you analyze the situation, as city streets deteriorate, the cost zooms. I mean by zooms, really goes up. If a road deteriorates past a certain point, it goes up at probably three to five times the rate of regular infl inflation. Right now, inflation is low, but it's not going to stay low. The cost of money is going up, the cost of everything is going up. Uh, consequently, uh, it's unfortunate it didn't pass. I wasn't happy with the way it came down to us. The legislature said, you can do a county option or city option, whatever you got, uh, in our case, the city county, and people can vote on it, but they saddled us with 10 years. Gotcha. And the 10-year problem of no sunset until 10 years, I think, hurt it a lot. Uh, the Board of Supervisors wisely said, we're not going to go for whatever we can on the construction cost index, which is what's indexing was pegged to. Uh, the indexing situation is higher than inflation if it's construction cost index, but the city capped that at three cents per year. But three cents per year for 10 years is 30 cents. Let's face it, that's a big bite. So right. we'll have to find some money somewhere else. Uh, the thing, reason, one of the reasons I like the gas tax is, uh, is the method was that some, some people who are from elsewhere buy their gas here. So like the sales tax, we get maybe a little more than just taking from our own residents. Correct. Uh, the um, other problem is that on the gas tax, however, um, cars are more fuel efficient now, millennials aren't buying as many cars, et cetera, et cetera. So gas tax will not take us through till nirvana. 
gas tax is only a stopgap situation, and apparently it's not open to us. So I don't know where we go next, but that's what we'll be investigating in this next four years. Gotcha. And, and, and you're exactly right. You know, the worse that the roads get, the more 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 cost to uh, repair them. And then, you know, as, as every year passes, construction materials get to be more expensive as well. Labor, construction, everything. And, and, and as I say, I have to emphasize, it's not just at the rate of inflation. If inflation goes up 2%, the cost of construction can go up five and ten percent. Uh, the last I ran, March to March of fifteen to sixteen, I believe it was going up at about nine percent or close to it. Gotcha. Now that's all construction, not just road construction. But road construction is very, as we're finding out with the freeway, forty million dollars just to do a few miles. Exactly. Yep. It's expensive stuff, uh, and. and Hopefully, I know. I know. I've heard legislatures say, and heard one recently, that when they come to town, so they come in from Reno or Elko, wherever they're coming from, uh, as long as they're driving, they're going to fill up in Carson because mm -hmm. our gas prices right. are a little better than, right. than, especially Reno. And they still would have been if we'd have gone ahead and passed that, because Reno has been going up for years and will continue to go up. Correct. Right. And, and, and I think, you know, maybe the change of, of, of lifestyles, uh, you know, millennials driving a little less, the city really making a concerned effort to become a bicycle-friendly community that helps people get around easier on their bicycles, making the need to drive a little less. Um, so hopefully some of those things will balance out, but I agree at some point that money's going to come from somewhere. And, you know, we we in Nevada love to love to vote down a tax, and, and I'm right along with you on that. But, you know, at the end of the day, the bill's still going to be there, whether we vote for it or no. Yes, being a politician, I have to note that um I don't like taxes going up, and I uh, pledge to be fiscally conservative. But fiscally conservative doesn't always mean saying no. The reason is obvious. If the costs escalate faster than the money's coming in, you have to get it somewhere. If the costs escalate so fast that you wind up with 80% of your roads being undrivable or nearly undrivable, it's going to cost the individuals for shock absorbers, et cetera, et cetera. So, you have to look and say, what's the value received? If you don't get any value from new roads, maybe you're a bicyclist and don't mind potholes. I don't know. Correct. But uh, we have to fix the roads. We will definitely eventually have to fix the roads. That was one of my uh, contentions with my opponent in the last election. He voted against fixing the sewage plant. And you can't not fix the sewage plant. You just can't. you got to fix it. Correct. Well, and especially when the analogy is used that, you know, we've kicked the can down the road, we've kicked the can down the road, and that's the reason that we're in there. Um, well, don't kick the can down the road again. Yeah. Address it. Get the yeah. issue handled and taken care of. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I, I appreciate your, your reasonable approach there. Um, what do, what do you think is the most exciting thing that's going to happen in Carson here over the next two or three years? What, what has you excited about what's happening now here in town? Well, I'm hopeful that the downtown becomes a very exciting place. We've seen what we got um, for part of the eighth of a cent. We got a lot of things, actually, from the eighth of a cent sure uh, in sales tax increase. We got partial, partially funded the MAC, funded the animal shelter, did the downtown, which will be finished next year on Curry Street. Uh, but Carson Street's done. Um, there's a facade improvement program. It's not a lot of money. I think the city matches 25 grand, so make it 50. You can fix up, do a facelift on your building if you're a property owner downtown and you have a business in it, your own or somebody else's. Um, that, that may help. I want to see if the past Board of Supervisors, the majority was correct, and actually 
several past boards of supervisors because this goes back more than a decade or about a decade, actually more than a decade. Yep. This uh, was met, vetted and put in the master plan to do a downtown. It's not exactly the same picture that was there 10 years ago, but it's similar. And so I'm hoping that it lures in new businesses. I'm hoping that it does things for events. We have lots of events downtown. We can have more. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm excited about that. My wife's the secretary of the Brewery Arts Center Board, and we've been members ever since we got here. We love to go to performing arts things and visual arts things there or elsewhere. The McFadden Plaza offers opportunity for more events. So um, I'm hopeful that we get the series back uh, next summer that was at the BAC this last summer so that we have a concert series, 10 weeks I believe it was last year, outdoor concerts, and there were hundreds of people that would show up for those things, free concerts. That's the kind of thing that I like to see downtown. And it doesn't matter if it's classic cars or if it's uh, motorcycles or whatever it is, a venue that can be, we can have downtown. We now have the kind of downtown where you can uh, close it off a little bit on a weekend and have a great event. Um, I'm also hopeful in the long haul that 8th Cent can buy, can buy also the uh, um, corridor improvements uh, as well as the, the MAC and the, and the animal shelter in the downtown. Uh, but also the community center can be upgraded. It, it's one of the final ones they tacked on in the plan of expenditure. Mm -hmm. The plan of expenditure being those things that it's confined to. And it takes four votes to change that plan of expenditure. So we've got those things in our future. And at the community center, they want to upgrade the capabilities uh, for cultural events, uh, performance like the musicals from out at WNC. Mm -hmm. And the seats there are atrocious. They're the original seats, I believe. They've been around since 1970 or so. And I don't go there very often because I can't sit in those seats. I'm an old guy who's got a back problem when I sit in those seats. But I have gone on occasion. It's worth it because there's great things going on in that place every once in a while. And we need to do more there, too. Those are things I'm excited about. I'm also excited about the growth around us and in the community, Schultz Ranch, Etc. I want managed growth. I don't want it to be willy-nilly or helter-skelter, but I, I think the community has to grow. It's a state capital, and those Las Vegas legislators are going to come up here and try and steal everything they can out of Carson City, maybe even including uh, one session if we get to annual sessions. We may never do that. So I want this town to be relevant and exciting for visitors. Bring in the tourists as well as get the residents to do things here. Those are, those are great goals, and, and I, I, I agree with you to be able to, to bring uh, the state capital up to fend off you know, people wanting to bring uh, the capital down to Las Vegas. One final thing, I'm a mountain biker, pretty avid, although I don't go out in the wilderness to mountain bike, I just bike around town and up into the hills. Our trail system is unbeatable. Bar none. And so the Epic Rides comes here. That'll just be the beginning of more mountain bikers and trail people coming here to walk our trails and see the Tahoe Rim Trail and go up to Tahoe. This is, as Joel Dunn often says, a great place to base yourself because the lodging rates are reasonable and everything's within 30 miles that you want to see. Agreed, agreed. And in that Epic Rides event, um, it, it was voted the best mountain bike race in, in the nation in the nation. And, and, and that's another one of those things that we talked about at the beginning of the show of those things show off our town. 
and they, they, they show off the capabilities and the beauty that we have. Um, one thing I'm really excited about, just to throw this in there for the downtown stuff, uh, hopefully this, this next year, not hopefully, they're going to have the ability to bring the mountains down to the downtown. And what I mean by that is that they're going to have the ability to live stream the, the race while it's up in the mountains down to the plaza uh, with, with an effort that was done with the Redevelopment uh, Citizens Authority to be able to purchase a, a daytime projector that would play during the day. So live streaming capabilities, movie nights, family movie nights on the plaza, mm -hmm. all those things will be um, a, a actual realization come springtime of 2017. So lots of exciting stuff happening. Now you've just answered the question that I try to keep secret about why I left the media. I left the media because of all this wonderful technology that I would have had to master. <laughs> not, not really. It's not a problem. I think I went through 4,000 delivery systems in my years in the media. But it's really exciting what we can do nowadays that we couldn't do when I was getting started in that field. You know, television and print and radio was about it. Now it's just everything and everywhere you can do anything and that's that's an exciting uh, opportunity you're talking about yep agreed well heck i mean we're we're sitting here in front of in front of a microphone and a laptop with a couple of headphones on and and we'll put this out and literally anybody in the world will be able to hear hear our conversation that we're having right now uh, we're living in a hyper connected world and it's really neat i'm sure donald trump will be listening to this soon well i, I hope so <laughs> i hope he takes our advice uh, uh, but, what do, you, what do you think is is, is going to be um, the 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 main goal um, of trying to change the downtown? What's the factor that's going to bring in those new businesses? Do you, do you think that there's something that policy wise can be done, or is it just something that that organically happens over time? Um, not to bring in maybe a major retailer, but just a, a mix of businesses that gets people excited, that brings more people downtown. Maybe those are restaurants, maybe those are retail. You have any thoughts on that? I recall our former public works director, Andy Burnham, once saying when I first started covering city government that, well, let's face it, downtown's gonna be a bar and restaurant place. That's about it. I'm not sure he was right about that, but. Bars and restaurants are an integral part of what we offer downtown and will be, continue to be. Uh, uh, what we'd like to do is get a, the kind of mix that would, say, maybe keep state workers in the downtown uh, one night a month or two nights a month, et cetera, um, get them not to rush home either in Carson City or up to Reno or down to Minden or whatever. Uh, and the events will help that, um, that partner with the libations and the food service. Uh, but I, yeah, we'd like to see, I think, some really good uh, new businesses come in. I know Michael Salaga ran a survey, a three-question survey, to find out uh, what kind of businesses people want. I don't know how extensive the survey was in terms of how many participants uh, uh, in the community logged on and got in. But um, I would like to see a mix of uh, national retailers and uh, the type that are mom-and-pop stores, for lack of better terminology. Right. Uh, but I'd like to see the preponderance be more mom-and-pop, um, offering unique things to the public, um, citizens either who come to shop here or live here, either one. Um, because I think there's far too much 
of the sameness. To, wherever you go, you can go to a, um, one of these clothing stores that are in every mall in America. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not so sure that bringing in, you know, the Banana Republic for uh, what I think is a bad example. <laughs> I'm not a big Banana Republic fan, not to, not, not to trash them, but they sell younger clothes than I'm likely to wear. Uh, or any of the other ones that uh, we can get. If we can get good national stores that appeal across, across a broad range. My wife once suggested that we uh, get something, um, um, I can't remember, but there's a, a kitchen type uh, and cooking type uh, utensils place. Um, there's one already up in the summit, um, and I, she wasn't talking about that, she was talking about a competitor. But um, in checking, uh, it appears they don't go in any place that's less than 500,000. I think we have to sell, to get to the point here, I think we have to sell this community as the hub of a larger space mm -hmm. that has over half a million people. If you include the people who come down to get their gas at Costco from the lake, or the people who come down from Reno, not only to get their gas, but to work in our state government, or the people who come up from Mennonite, People come in from Dayton. If you can, if you count the number of people in this region, it it reaches that half million. So we have to go out and market ourselves. And I'm willing to jump in as much as I can to help do that, since my field has always been in in a manner of speaking public relations, though not, you know, PR for some firm, but interacting with the public through Correct. the media, and see if we can't tell people, this is a great place, and you you can get more eyeballs on your stuff here than you think you can. At the same time, I don't know that we're going to be, any more than we're, the nation is going to be able to bring back manufacturing, I don't know that we're going to be able to bring in those kinds of stores in droves because more and more people shop on the internet. So I, I want to see that mix of libations, restaurants, a few small boutique stores that have, have their own flavor that they can offer people. We've got some nice art places, three of them in the downtown. Correct. Art you'll not find anywhere else. These are the kinds of things I'd like to have cluster around a few national stores if we can. Agreed. Agreed. And, and you know, I, I tend to agree with you that, that you know, I think having some kind of uh, major retailer in some way, whatever kind of retailer that is, but I think I think the the extended life of downtown is going to come from the boutiques, from the mom and pop stores, mm -hmm. uh, and um, you know maybe maybe the way to do that from a policy standpoint, and and, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is is to have. Um, you know, not necessarily a loan program, but you know, maybe help subsidize rent for the first three months for startups, or or get business property owners in the downtown core to create a startup row uh, that that becomes a a very a very rent friendly, not free, but rent friendly space to allow young entrepreneurs and not even young entrepreneurs, all entrepreneurs to come down and try their idea. To, to start it out. And I think the Adams Hub has, is doing some of those things. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's going to have to be some commercial space that becomes affordable to allow people to kind of, let's, let's throw it out there. Let's see if it's going to work. You know, let's, let's, take this, let's take this idea and throw it against the wall and see if it's going to stick. Affordable is an important aspect of it. I agree with you. I will be open to listening to, and perhaps voting for, depending on what it is, um, ideas that can help uh, those things along. I am one of those people who 
well, you know, I was registered nonpartisan. I've been part nonpartisan for a long time. For, for yeah, for a long time. Because as a reporter, you need to say, stay as unbiased as you know how to be. Um, so I, I don't uh, throw in with uh, the Republicans on, oh, no, 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 never raise taxes and never help out anybody in the private sector, et cetera. But nor do I throw in with the Democrats when they say, well, let's start a program to make sure that we get what we want out of the deal. Outcomes are important to me, but process is even more important. I'll, I will be willing to listen to anybody with any good ideas, and, we, and then they get honed down and pass the test of whatever needs to be passed, both in the sense of policy, sound, wise policy, mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and the law. And the law is pretty restrictive about what you can do as, in city government. Uh, in fact, fortunately, I think it's probably... Uh, restrictive on all levels regarding how far you can go. I advocate public-private partisanship, uh, I mean um, partnerships, when they make sense. Right. I'll give you a couple of examples. I didn't think the public-private partnership to do the downtown uh, that was called the city center four years ago made a lot of sense. I think Steve Neighbors is a good guy and he's probably trying to do the right thing in this town, but I thought it actually favored him too much and the city too little. Um, therefore, I didn't get too excited when people said to me, oh, everybody's against the downtown. Look what they voted against it four years ago. I said, well, we don't know exactly why everybody voted against it. You know, some people might have voted against it because they don't like three lanes or two lanes or whatever it is downtown. Right. Some people might have voted against it because they think a library, even a tech-oriented library in the downtown isn't the anchor they're looking for. Some people might have voted against it because they don't trust the Hopper May Adams Foundation. That wasn't me, but... I imagine there are a few people in this town who thought Steve Neighbors was trying to pull the wool. Right. He wasn't trying to pull the wool, but he sure was getting a, a pretty good deal in my view. But um, so I didn't think the downtown was 60-40 against four. Correct. I thought it was more probably half and half, and that's what it, I think, turned out to be, especially after people saw what we got. So that was a public-private partnership I would probably not have gone for. Uh, other public-private partnerships, I, you know, for example, the facade program, uh, just to use something that's there we can talk about. 25, 25,000, small, mm -hmm. but is uh, trying to help out, as you say, with a little bit to keep things in perspective so that you can lure in property, property owners or businesses to do a facelift that makes the place work better. That would work for me. I'd have to see the particulars of any program like what you had discussed before I'd know whether I was going to be for that or against it. But the devil is always in the details, and Correct. so I always want to see the details. Correct. Right, well, I love the open-mindedness. So, um, I've been dying to ask you this question. As a guy who's, who's been around politics for a long time, covering politics for a long time, what was, I want to know what was the most surprising thing in actually campa campaigning and becoming a candidate yourself, uh, and, and what was the best thing uh, from, from the campaign? So Those we'll, are two separate things. Yeah, so, so <laughs> it may or may not be. Well, leading into this, let me first say, I've been around politics and government longer than you might realize because my parents were both newspaper people before me, and my father ran a couple of helped run a couple of campaigns uh, when he got out of the media for short bursts of time. Okay. He was also in liquor advertising for a short period of time. Uh, so I got this stuff at the dinner table. My mother, <laughs> for example, let's go back into the, the recesses of ancient history. 
um, worked for Wendell Wilkie against FDR because she didn't believe in the third term. <laughs> My father tried to help get a guy um, elected United States Senator because uh, when he was uh, in radio, he was working with people to get a television license, and Lord Ev Dirksen, you remember, Ev, he talked like this. Ev Dirksen was uh, saying at home, oh, we'll help WRL get his uh, television, VHF television, and in D.C. he was scotching the whole thing, so Dad ran somebody against him, and he lost, because Ev, Ev was an institution in Illinois. But at any rate, uh, I, so I've been around this a long time. Uh, the biggest surprise to me, and I think, I'm hoping, this is a temporary and latter-day situation, and I think it also um, was partly due to the really dark nature of the national race. Mm -hmm. uh, people just were turned off by politics and didn't want really to hear from me or anybody else on the subject. I don't mean all people, but a good share of people. Uh, a good example is that I tried to um, worm my way into speeches, speeches to groups around town, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, clubs were like, uh, two clubs I approached were like, <laughs> no politician going to talk here, right. which is okay. Uh, and I thought, wait a minute, this is the citizen's duty to you know check things out. So I was surprised by the lack of interest. I probably shouldn't have been. I've been in newspaper work or broadcast work for a long time, covering government much of that time. And a, a large share of the population has become turned off by politics down through the years. I do understand that. But this is local politics, and I think you really need to understand what's going on in the local. People inform themselves the best they can, and, I, I, and they're busy. I understand that. That was the biggest surprise. That was it. What was the other part of it? You were Wait, what was what was the best thing? What was the happiest? Surprise oh, it was you? great going out and meeting people. I was wonderful. We have the most fantastic group of people in this town. They may not always be interested in politics, but they're interested in other people. And so they gave me a hearing when I walked up and handed them a card or knocked on their door or whatever. And not all of them, you know, but they were always polite and. Uh, I only had like three or four situations where somebody started grilling me at the door and then almost slammed the door in my face because they had different views. But people are reasonable. People love this town. People love um, not only Carson City, but the entire region we live in. And it was a joy to meet so many people that I hadn't had an opportunity to know. Even though as a reporter with the Nevada Appeal, I got out instead of just sitting behind a desk. Right. Uh, you know, you're still a lot of people in a town of 55,000 that you don't get to meet. So this was a great way to meet them. And I am more impressed now than I was 10 years ago when I got here. This is not only a great town and a great jewel of a setting, it's got wonderful people in it. So that's, that's the wonderful thing about my running for office. I would have loved it even if, had I lost. And I didn't win by that much. So half of them said, oh, I'm not going to vote for that guy even if I did meet him. Right. I don't know which half. Right. I don't care. I'll try to represent them all. Right. And, and, and I think yeah, that's what makes local politics so important. I mean, obviously, local policy you know, affects our life on a day-to-day -day basis you know, a little more than, than federal policy does. Um, but when you look at the vote counts, you know, 300, 350 votes you know, separates someone from winning to losing, and, and you go, man, oh, man, that really does make a difference. Mm -hmm. Every vote counts. Yes, every vote always counts. I agree. And, and not only locally, but nationally. And we found that by the fact that one side won the popular vote and the other side 
won the uh, Electoral College vote. Exactly. Or at least they haven't voted yet, so I guess it's not over. <laughs> but, you know, that's the way it's going to turn out. Right. And so every vote counted there. It does. It does. So, yeah, I want to wrap things up by asking you the, the question that I ask everybody. Yeah. If you had no limits, what would be your big, hairy, audacious goal for Carson City? Hmm. Yeah, and you warned me this one's coming. I've been thinking about it ever since, even, though, <laughs> even as we were talking here. Well, my first short-term goal would be to find a way to fix the streets without taking it all out of the pockets of local people, and uh, that's going to be a real tough one. So that's the good three, two- to three-year goal. We, you know, hopefully by the time four years are up, should I not run for re-election or should I get beat next time, we will have solved that problem. Long-term, I would like to make this, and I think we're headed in this direction already, the kind of place everybody wants to visit, everybody wants to live, uh, or at least a good share of the people who do come to visit say, oh, you know, someday, sooner or later, I'd like to live there. That's what happened to me. I don't mean to say that when I visited here in 1970, I said, eh, I'm going to move to Carson City someday. I don't, I, I always look at every place I go with a, huh, what, what would it be like to live here? And I did that then, too. But I was uh, just getting started in my uh, journalistic career. I just, I just graduated from uh, college. It was 1970, and I went to work for United Press International in Indianapolis, Indiana, a few months later. I had been working for my hometown paper in Peoria. And, but it stuck in my mind. This is a great place. And so when we started looking in the West, we went to New Mexico and looked at places like Santa Fe and Silver City and Rio Doso, but we also came to Carson City and looked at Carson City. We knew we didn't want to come to California, even though my wife had lived here before we met. Uh, it's just uh, not the place we either one of us wanted to live, but we wanted to live in the West. And so some others came up on our radar on, um, on the... Um, internet, and we talked about going to see them and never did, like Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, many other places are too expensive to live. Let's just be honest about it. Right. Great places, you know. Right. Flagstaff's a nice place, you know. Um, New Mexico, Santa Fe, way too expensive. But um, Carson City's reasonable cost, has reasonable taxation, has reasonable amenities, is set in a, is a crown jewel as far as I'm concerned. The, the lake is a, is a, is a crown jewel too but this is just a wonderful place and so I'd like to see everyone know that and I will do everything I can to get that word out just as you're doing with this podcast perfect I appreciate that and, and I appreciate you coming on the show and chatting with us and, and getting to know you a little bit better thank you Garrett pleasure to be here thanks again for listening to this episode of Carson Chatter you can subscribe via SoundCloud or iTunes by searching Carson Chatter Podcast. When you do, please leave a review as it makes it easier to find us. And please engage with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by simply searching Carson Chatter Podcast. You can also email us at carsonchatterpodcast at gmail.com. See you again soon, and don't forget to tell a friend about this podcast. Mm-hmm.